This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Golf has a new game-changing number. Experience TaylorMade speed with the forgiveness of 10K inertia with the all-new QI10 Max. Only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more about the QI10 Carbon Woods. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside another Wednesday edition of GTC. The whole gang is back this morning. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Sacchino. Bob, you were away. You were all over uh, in Canada. You were in Florida. You were in Saskatchewan. Let's start with you. How was Curling Day in Canada? It was great. Um, it's an amazing event. They, uh, we went into this smaller town called Melfort, Saskatchewan. It's actually a city, 6,000 people. And they basically closed down the town or the city for us. They had great, uh, great stuff going on. We went and saw a Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League game on the Saturday night. And uh, they had big curling day Canada on, or sorry, on Friday night, Saturday night was all the curling stuff. And then made the uh, cross country up, down, around trip down to West Palm for uh, an event down there. So uh, lots of aeroplan miles in the last couple of days. Lots of aeroplan miles and Rachel Holman, the winner of the Scotties. Mark, last time we spoke with you, you were about to jump in the car after you joined us Monday from D.C. Update our listeners on where you are right now. I'm here in St. Augustine, PGA Tour Live Studios. So we're getting set for the Cognizant Classic from the Palm Beaches, which our listeners will know as the Honda Classic. <laughs> Honda uh, no longer the sponsor of, of this event, but still at PGA National. It's still Bear Trap, Rory in the field. And I'll be doing uh, featured groups and marquee groups, uh, rotating back and forth as the host for those feeds starting tomorrow morning. So we'll have lots of Rory McElroy, And, of course, that'll be on TSN Plus in Canada for if anybody wants to see Rory uh, navigate the Bear Trap and PGA National. Should, should be great. The weather's awesome down here. Uh, and my thought off the top of my head, Bob, 6,000 people in that city, larger than any live golf crowd ever. Wow. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. And uh, uh, they actually have a golf course in, um, in Melfort, Saskatchewan. It's, um, it's, the easy, it's the best place if you're having trouble with your putting, I was told, because it is so flat. There's no breaks on the you know Saskatchewan is pretty much flat from top to bottom so uh, but they did have the Canadian junior there back in 1996 one of the contestants there Elena Sharp there you go uh, my favorite uh, Saskatchewan joke and this is for our own Kenny Valden if he's listening this morning my dog ran away on a Monday in Saskatchewan on Thursday I could still see my dog running away <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't really have anywhere to segue from that. So anyway, another busy show for us today. We'll take a deep dive, a preview into the Cognizant Classic. Yes, Rory McIlroy in the field along with five Canadians. We'll take a deep dive into that. And the Bear Trap will be joined by Lisa Meldrum, the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame 
great story there. So we'll be joined by Lisa. She's coming up in hour two. We'll make our PGA Tour picks for this week as we are looking to go back to back. Yes, we finally got off the schneid. Took long enough, but we finally got off the schneid. But as always, these Wednesday shows are filled with tons of news. Let's kick things off with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Well, let's kick things off with something that happened on Monday night, and that was another edition of The Match. Rory McIlroy, Max Homa, Lexi Thompson, Rosang, all playing in a match. I don't know about you guys. I cover golf for a living. I didn't know this was happening. I'm not sure if the promotions team just just took the day off, took the week off leading into it. There was absolutely zero, zero buzz about this. Mark, I'll go to you first. Why are we still doing these? Why? I don't know. I, I've hated these for years, Adam. I've been, you know, every year on Golf Talk Canada, I say to you guys, like, I don't know why, who's watching this. I haven't cared about anything like this in years. Uh, you know, it was remotely interesting. It had a bit of a hook out of the gates when you had Tiger and Phil involved and the natural rivalry there and then some other athletes. But, I mean, I just don't care. I like all the participants involved. It's not a comment at all at all on Rose or Lexi or Max or Rory. Uh, we have too much golf. I mean, there's not many people you're going to find in the golf industry to stand up and say we're overwhelmed with golf because it's, it feels like we're cutting our own throat. But absence makes the heart grow fonder. We need more quality and less quantity. And I mean, I mean, we don't need another exhibition for the sake of an exhibition. You know, part of the reason why Live Golf's got no no traction anywhere on the planet, right? So, I mean, this is. I mean, I, I can't. I can't be a hypocrite. I can't crap on Live Golf and then tell you the match was interesting. You know what I mean? None of this is interesting. I didn't know what was going on either. Uh, I am shocked that we're still doing this. Bob, for you, in your mind, is there any particular reason? Do you have any thoughts about the match in general? Well, obviously, there's some audience for it. Not, not us three, but there is some audience <laughs> for it, and there is some sponsor, some sponsor willing to pay the freight uh, for it because they must uh, must find it's it's lucrative for them or beneficial. There must be some ROI for them, so that's why it, it's still going, I guess. But it just doesn't seem like they found um, any way to really make it any different than the last one or the one before. This was a little more, I, I didn't see a lot of it, to be perfectly honest with you. And I actually got to tell you, I landed in the West Palm on, um, God, I can't remember, on Sunday. And someone told me, someone, when someone saw me that I was there, they said, oh, are you there for the match? And I had no idea it was even going on. I mean, it was around the corner from where I was staying. So I didn't even know it was happening. So that's how bad it is. But I don't think they've... Uh, I don't think they're going to kill the formula until uh, they can't find a sponsor willing to pony up the money. I mean, a couple of years ago, it happened in December, and Tiger and JT and Rory and Spieth. That was maybe, I don't know, but mid-season, I don't know. It was just a, just a little weird. But under the lights, too, kind of cool. But I, I'm glad that there was a video posted online summarizing the whole thing, which I actually did sit through and decide to watch. Uh, other news in the world of golf, and since Live Golf became a thing, a lot of the players who decided to take – a lot of dough and go over to live have since 
complained about not getting official world ranking points, having trouble getting into majors. We spent portion of Monday's show speaking about Joaquin Neiman, who got an exemption into the Masters. And that's where Taylor Gooch comes into play, because Taylor Gooch was interviewed and said if Rory McIlroy wins the Masters, completes the career Grand Slam, there should be an asterisk beside that, because not all of the top-ranked players in the world truly are in the field. Bob, how far to the back of your head did your eyes roll after reading those comments? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a couple things that jumped out immediately at me. And one is, you know, was he talking about himself or was he talking about just the depth or the, the, the top live players not getting into some of these things? And I thought, it's funny how he didn't say anything when, uh, when, um, when Brooks Koepka won the PGA last year. You know, like there's a tournament that apparently, I guess that was okay. It was, uh, do we put an asterisk beside his name now because uh, all the live players weren't in? And then the best thing I saw uh, so far in this comment today was somebody posted a picture of uh, Taylor Gooch's um, Wikipedia page and it had his PGA Tour wins listed and beside each one was an asterisk and down below it said asterisk Rory McIlroy not in the field. (laughs) So it's, I mean, what an asinine comment to make. I just really don't get it. I don't get it either. Uh, And even on, yeah, those Wikipedia comments were pretty comical too. And even Taylor Gooch on, on X or Twitter Went on to say, speaking about guys also not playing like Burmy, that's Dean Burmester. Not sure why he would mention him, but Luis Ustase and Mito Pereira, Carlos Ortiz, HV3, Jason Kokrak, Mark Leishman, Abraham Anser. Okay, interesting comments there. Mark, when you read these comments, did your head explode? Is this not the same idiot who won a team golf event on Live and said, now I know how the Ryder Cup feels? Is this not the same guy? Like, does that yeah. not make you... Like, it should be illegal for him to speak into an open mic without a professional standing beside him after that comment. I mean, like, you've lost complete credibility on the entire planet of golf after the Ryder Cup comment, and this is just doubling down on it. Uh, I What I find so frustrating about these guys, I don't care that they took the money and went to live. Good on you. If someone offered me a gazillion dollars to sell my soul, I'd have to really sit down and have a conversation with my wife and family and say, hey, guys, what's my soul worth? Like, we don't have to worry about my, my kids' kids and their kids' kids. Like, is my soul worth that, right? You, It's an honest conversation that regular people would have to have to take uh, a look at that dough. And to be honest, Taylor Gooch, in professional golf world terms, in air quotations, was a regular person. This was not a guy sitting on a net worth of over $100 million already, like some of the guys that took the dough. So this is like the Harold Varner the thirds of the world. This life-changing money. But what I don't understand for these guys, and this is, again, doubling down on it, why do they think they were paid that much money? They think they were paid that much money because they're worth that much? Because they're obviously not worth that much. They were paid that money because they were never going to be able to be relevant and play the professional game. They were giving up their career. That's why they got 50 mil, 80 mil, 100 mil, whatever the number was. It's because they were walking away from their life. So they had to be compensated for walking away from their life. When you took the blood money, you walked away from official world golf ranking points. Again, though, guys, I'll go back to what I was screaming about last week, and it's getting exhausting. These guys covering, like, constantly in the news cycle. Just shut up. Go to 72 holes. 
go to a cut, get rid of the shotgun, have more of a way to work your way in and work your way out, and you will get official world golf ranking points overnight. It's not official world golf ranking system to conform to your roller derby format of Harlem Globetrotter golf. It's your job to conform to the official world golf rankings because all the other tours do. So why are you any different? And my uh, message to, to, I was almost going to say Taylor Swift, Taylor Gooch here is play better in some of these events. Like I mentioned about Bryson DeChambeau last year before he ended up playing better. You know, you look at last year, Taylor Gooch, T34 at the Masters. Okay, that's good, good finish. Missed the cut at the PGA Championship. Missed the cut at the Open Championship. WD from the Dunhill Links. T42 at the Hong Kong Open. Hey, dude, just play better, and you'll have a better chance to get in these majors. And I think complaining about the Masters probably doesn't put you in good standing with them if they were ever going to give him an exemption, Bob. Adam, can we, can we officially call that a rant by Mark? That's, that's a rant. I think I want, I want to put that in a rant category. <laughs> I think we, we should have had the popcorn ready. I mean, there have been times. I, sometimes we should just do these shows in recliners, I think, and just well, sort of. I got to ask you guys are you up. guys not tired of, like, are you not exhausted by the constant whine? Like, don't you wish they were Harold Varner third? I haven't heard from Cam Smith. He took the money. He went because why? They were going to pay some attention to his home country as well. He thought golf could should be more in focus in Australia. There's a lot of guys that took the money. We've never heard from them. Why is it the same group constantly with the wine? I'm sick and tired of it. It's. It, I mean, you got Dustin Johnson. Really, has been pretty quiet. I mean, for the most part, Brooks Kepka has been pretty quiet. Um, Harold Varner, as you said, those guys there, just go and play golf. Enjoy it if that's what you want, and then go and spend your money afterwards. Well, speaking of a player who made some headlines very early in his career but hasn't actually played officially in the world of professional golf since 2012 is Anthony Kim. And Anthony Kim has officially signed on with Liv. Now, Mark, we spoke about Anthony Kim on Monday because there was a lot of news making uh, becoming official during our show. So mm -hmm. I won't ask for your, your opinion, but, Bob, I'm curious for your sake, uh, for your um, opinion about Anthony Kim, the fact that he is back playing professional golf. We haven't seen him in quite some time. What are your thoughts? Is this something that could potentially move some sort of a needle for Liv Golf? So he hasn't played for, I think it's 12 years, 11 or 12 years. And I'm thinking if you are like you are, Adam, like celebrating your 32nd birthday today. Oh, oh. And that 12 years ago, happy birthday. Thank you. But 12 years ago, you were 20. So even go, if, you go back, if you go back a little bit further than that, there's a lot of people who are golf fans right now who never really saw Anthony Kim play, probably don't know who he is. There's probably a lot of people who um, have kind of forgotten about him don't really care about him. And then I think maybe there's a little bit of interest, but I, I, I'm really kind of curious as to see what kind of level his game's at. Like he has not played competitive golf for 12 years. And I know he's played golf in Vegas and things, and you can, you can, you know, sort of bat it around, but it's a different, different kettle of fish when you are playing on a professional tour and you're playing against these big guys. He might be completely embarrassed when he gets out here. I hope that's not the case. I got to know him a little bit. He was kind of a, an interesting cat. But I would say that this is not really going to drive a lot of eyeballs other than the curiosity to see what kind of shape his game is in. 
Yeah, I'm curious if he goes out, shoots 66, 76, or 86. I think it's a story for a guy who made 11 birdies in one round at the Masters all those years ago. This guy does have a lot of talent, played on Ryder Cup teams. Uh, he beat Sergio Garcia in a Sunday singles match all the way back in 2008. Anthony Kim, definitely a, a mysterious storyline as we move ahead here in Live Golf. Now, before we go to break here, uh, some Canadian golf news, and that's Michael Mark, you want to go ahead and say something? Sorry, I just want to jump in here, guys. Sorry. No problem. When he retired 12 years ago, he was 300th in the world, guys. He spent 22 weeks inside the top 10 with three PGA Tour victories before the age of 25. Okay? There's no there's no speech with majors. There's no Rory. Uh, there's no Colin Morikawa five wins, two majors. The legend of Anthony Kim is a, a very good golfer. Don't get me wrong. Got to number six in the world at one point. But the day he retired, 300th in the world. The legend of Anthony Kim comes from his activities off the golf course. This is more of a tune-in curiosity, like Bob said. I got the over and under at 79.5. You guys lay your action from that. I'll take under, but around 70, 76, I'll say. Bob, what about you? Uh, I'll say 74. Okay, we'll see if FanDuel is on that at <laughs> I don't all. Know. Okay, uh, before we sign off and go to break here, I was mentioning Michael Gligic, who has qualified for the Cognizant Classic, and he is one of the five Canadians in the field. Bob, good to see another Canadian uh, qualify into a PGA Tour event because he doesn't have his official card right now. Gligs is a really nice guy, and I understand that he's also sort of uh, sidelining into the real estate business, um, and that's probably not something he wants to do, but I think that's something he probably needs to do. I think his father's in the real estate business, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he's going to work a little bit in that. And when the opportunity comes, you know, maybe it'll be, uh, we, we've had a, a great season already of long shots and people with great stories coming in. Maybe this will be uh, Gligg's uh, week. He's such a nice guy. He does have a lot of talent. He's just never been able to transfer it into uh, round by round on the PGA Tour. Mark, I know you've spent a lot of time with Gligg's as well. Good to see another Canadian uh, qualify for this week. Yeah, and it's so tough out there, and it's, I mean, you can just struggle and fight on the Corn Ferry Tour for so long, too, and, and kind of have, you know, get your card, lose your card, and set, eventually you start making life choices. Uh, I'm with Bob, though, you never know, tons of talent, take advantage of maybe one of these opportunities. Sometimes when you just uh, distract your mind or decide you're going to approach something in a different way, you never know when you're going to catch lightning in a bottle, right? You just never know. So maybe Michael gets that. Maybe it happens for him now that he's changed the, the approach and maybe distracted the brain a little bit. One of five Canadians in the field will have a full preview of those five Canadians and their odds on FanDuel a little later in the show. When we come back here on GTC, the Florida Swing gets underway this week at PGA National. We'll take a deep dive into the Bear Trap, one of the great three-hole stretches on the PGA Tour. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the new QI10 Carbon Woods. Experience tailor-made speed with the forgiveness of 10K inertia with the all-new QI10 Max, only from TaylorMade. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Movember, the official men's health partner of Golf Talk Canada. You can get involved and help change the face of men's health 
by visiting Movember.com today. Welcome back inside GTC, Scully, Weeks, and Zacchino. Before we talk about the bear trap at PGA National, I want to make an important correction from something said on our show on Monday. Rafael Campos made two aces last week, one in a practice round, one in competition. And that got us thinking about making aces during a short span of time. And I brought up Mama Scully making three aces in the span of six years. After the fact, we were texting. She actually made four, so not three. So uh. My apologies, <laughs> Mama Skulls. I mean, we didn't mean to offend your level of expertise and talent on display. we got to do deeper fact-checking when it comes yeah. to this, Adam. I'll have to credit the research team myself <laughs> on, uh, on that very, very important uh, error, and I'm glad we made that correction live on the air. Anyway, this week, PGA Tour Cognizant Classic, formerly the Honda Classic, uh, PGA National, and this brings up, A, the start of the Florida Swing, and B, a great three-hole stretch of golf and a wonderful finishing hole, too, that 18th hole. I love that finishing hole. Mm-hmm. Mark, let's start with you. What's your perspective? What are your thoughts on the bear trap as a whole? I love the bear trap. I love the Florida Swing. I mean, if you had pulled Bob and I over in the late 80s, early 90s, and said to us, hey, guys, uh, in 30 years, the Players' Championship and TPC Sawgrass is going to be the softest setup on the Florida Swing, we would have asked you, like, you know, if you need help, do you want us to bring you to a hospital? We would have been shocked by a comment like that. But here we are, and it really kicks you in the teeth out of the gate. You know what I find interesting, guys, is... Uh, the bear traps in the top five hardest three stretches of, of holes of golf on the, on the PGA tour. The hardest is the green mile at Quail Hollow, 16, 17, and 18. It plays plus, plus 0.88 over par over the last seven years. Think about that. Over the last seven seasons, it's 0.88 consistently across the entire field over par. The next four, are all like throw a blanket. It's over 0. 0.063, 0. 0.064, 0. 0.065. So the next four are all pretty much the same. Uh, Murfield Village, 16, 17, and 18. Cliffs of Doom at Pebble Beach. Torrey Pines, 10, 11, 12. Of course, the Bear Trap. But you know what I find interesting? You know what the se- technically the second hardest stretch in the PGA Tour is? PGA National holes 5, 6, and 7 are... Two hundredths more difficult than the bear trap over the last seven seasons. So, I I mean, so you've got two stretches here that are in the top five most difficult stretches on the PGA Tour to kick off the Florida swing. And that's why often you see winning scores in the single digits under par, generally around five or six under par, even if it gets breezy. Bob, for you, what are your thoughts on the bear trap? I, I kind of consider this to be really one of the toughest stretches, even though Mark just sort of put out the numbers on there. But the one, one thing about, well, the two things about this are really that the, the wind is almost a constant at this place. And it's, it's not, like the holes aren't really super long. Like the, I think the par three is about 180. The next one's about 430. But there's lots of, uh, lots of meaning to them all because they're coming down the stretch. Every hole is pretty much uh, lined with uh, with stands, so there's a lot of yelling and screaming, and not quite uh, waste management style, but a lot of a lot of pressure. No one's doing snow angels in the bunkers, but there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of noise, and it doesn't take much uh, to be off, if you're offline at all, then you're you're going to find the water. And I think that I think there's like 15 
15 of the 18 holes, I think, at uh, PGA National have water on it. So this is the one stretch, too, where you see probably more balls dunked uh, coming down the stretch than pretty much any other golf tournament that I can think of. And that's really Flor Florida golf in a nutshell. You have fairway, you have water, and you have wind. It is such a challenge. And one of my great memories from this tournament came right before COVID really hit, actually, and that was 2020, the duel between Mackenzie Hughes and Sung J.M. When Max sunk that 50-footer or so on the 17th hole and, and more Canadian content, Albin Choi, who's back trying to play professionally, was caddying for Sung J.M., that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Looking forward to seeing the bear trap throughout the week, Mark. I know we'll get into picks and, and uh, who we like this week, but value plays, if you're looking for some value, Sun JM, 18 rounds here at PGA National, has never put a ball in the water in the bear trap in 18 rounds. Adam Schenk, 20 rounds here uh, professionally on the PGA Tour, never put a ball in the water at the bear trap. So that's pretty good right there. 38 rounds combined between those two players uh, and have never rinsed one. Well, the big question, did Mark just put the announcers jinx on both Sung J.M. and Adam <laughs> Shank, who has the greatest name in the history of golf? You'll have to tune in TSN Plus to find out throughout the weekend. Okay, when we come back here on GTC, Rory McIlroy in the field this week. Rory McIlroy, the overwhelming pre-tournament betting favorite on FanDuel. What are our thoughts on McIlroy? We'll summarize the season so far and take a look at Rory for this week at the Cognizant Classic. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Movember, the official men's health partner of Golf Talk Canada. You can get involved and help change the face of men's health by visiting Movember.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully, Mark Sacchino, and Bob Weeks coming up later in the show. Lisa Meldrum, the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. She'll join us in about 45 minutes' time. Well, this week on the PGA Tour, it's the Cognizant Classic. And looking at FanDuel and their odds right now, Rory McIlroy, the pre-tournament betting favorite, by an absolute long shot. His odds are plus 700 or 7 to 1. Cameron Young has the second shortest odds. His odds right now are 22 to 1. And we're seeing Rory McIlroy play a little more this year. He has said this, that he wants to play more this year leading up to the Masters, trying yet another different strategy to hopefully peak at the right time. But when you look at his season, a couple of good finishes on the DP World Tour, a couple of mediocre finishes on the PGA Tour. Bob, what have you thought of Rory McIlroy's 2024 to date? Kind of interesting. Uh, the start he got off to in Europe with that win and the runner-up performance and then he kind of came over here and seemed to, um, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but, but he sort of had some good rounds but didn't have good tournaments. He's only played a few now, but he's going to sort of kick it into groove, I think, uh, at this section right now before, as you said, leading up to uh, Augusta. So I kind of almost want to hold back judgment on where I think his game is. At this point, it's sort of a mixed bag. And he seems to get, I don't know if it was just me, but he seems to look sometimes getting frustrated on the golf course. And I don't know... 
um, if that's just a couple of shots that I happened to witness or something. But you don't didn't always used to see that about him. But um, I, I still think there's a lot of good stuff to come from Rory. I think now that he's kind of said, okay, look, I'm not going to have anything to do with with all the negotiations, whatever's going on behind the scenes. I'm just going to stay out and on the green and practice and play golf and, and worry about that. And I think that's a good move for him. I think he got so distracted and so worn out from the other stuff that I, I do expect him to play pretty well. And uh, this could be the week when he starts. It's, you know, it's a golf course where hitting it nice and high doesn't hurt you and uh, with those greens that they've got here. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be good for him if he can get on a roll here. No, I just read some numbers. Uh, we've only seen Rory on TV, but Mark, you've seen Rory with your own eyes in person. You've walked with him. What have you seen specifically at the Genesis? Was it just the first round, Mark, or was it the first two rounds? No, it, it was kind of, it's it's all over the place. I saw him go double, triple at 15 and 16 oh. without a penalty area at Riviera. And I was just looking at it, and I'll go back to what I've been saying for about six, seven months. There is a concentration problem here with Rory. It, it, it's, it's a focus thing. I wish I knew more about this. I wish I... Uh, was a sports psychologist or knew more about this, but but from a layman's perspective, someone just walking and, and trying to see stuff through my own eyes, I see his mind drifting. I see him leaving the round, and it, it and it's it's amazing to me. I see it kind of happen mentally, and and then it, and then it and then it it, it bleeds into his physical. Uh, manifest manifests itself physically where he like actually leaves the round you can see it with his own eyes now i do agree with bob though a thousand percent i think without some major work with professionals uh on how to to take control of this i think how this this gets better naturally without him making any changes is comfort to bob's point we are going to move from uh kakuya and POA into perfect lab-based grown Bermuda and all these new seeds that we use in Florida that he plays on all the time. And I think our example or our proof in the pudding with this guys is when he was in the desert in the European tour, which is a place that he is super comfortable and he's made like a career in the, in the desert swing on the European tour, he wins and he finishes second, gets to the West Coast, gets uncomfortable, gets in his own way, falls apart. First and strokes gained off the tee, 132nd and strokes gained total. So the more he kind of gets interactive with those grasses and, the, and that environment, the less comfortable he gets. I'm with Bob. Coming to, the, coming to the Florida swing now, this is his own backyard. This is what he's comfortable at. This is what he practices at. I think Rory rebounds pretty quickly. It just concerns me, the bigger picture here. You can't just be, hey, I'm comfortable. Let's go play. I mean, that's not what grinding it out in majors is all about. And you mentioned the concentration there, Mark, for Rory. And I'm thinking of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, where he was five or six under par, 12 holes into his first round, takes a bad drop, gets a penalty for an improper drop. So there's the concentration just going out the window, which is crazy for anyone but a professional golfer for him number two in the world and we remember the duel he had with tiger woods back in 2012 at 
the formerly known as Honda Classic. Mark, do you like Rory trying to ramp up in terms of the amount of events he is going to play before the Masters? Because that's always going to be a huge storyline for us leading into the Masters until if he actually does win it one day is Rory's pursuit for the Grand Slam. I do, and the reason I do is I think Rory, again, this goes back to concentration, it goes back to emotions, it goes back to being able to grind out bad rounds. Like, is there, Rory reminds me very much of Phil Mickelson in the sense that, I I mean, later on in Phil's career, he was very good at grinding it out and very good at turning a bad, bad round into a, good, into a decent round or a good round. But in the first half of, of Phil's career, he was horrible at it. There was no grind in him. It was ride a wave. And I feel like that's where we are with Rory, guys. He just rides a wave. So I like the fact that he's going to play a lot because if he plays a lot and he gets a win in Florida, that will give him the jump in his step. He'll just ride that wave. But, but to your point, Adam, when the wave goes the other way and the concentration breaks, look at the wave he rode through the, through the West Coast swing. So he needs to have a hard reset here get comfortable on Florida soil and get either a win or some really positive results in Florida and he'll ride that emotional wave. I mean, I would never, and I, I mean, I love Rory. He's so talented when he brings his A game, he's the best player in the world, but he is not the strongest player between the years and he isn't the game's best grinder right now. And if the, if the, if the, unless you're going to do a lot of work to change that, I don't know, Bob, how do you feel about this? Because I feel like, if he's got it going in the wrong way, Weeksy, he doesn't have the tools right now to hang in that round. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. It's it's um, he could use a little a little uh, assistance, whether it's upstairs or physically with a swing or something. Let's just something to calm him a little bit. I don't know. He's I, I like what you said about Rory with the with the lack of focus or the distractionness or the. And, and you kind of can see that in there. I don't know what what that's all involved. If there's stuff going on behind the scenes or whatever, I don't know. But but he's 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 not. I would have liked to have watched him when he was winning in Europe and seeing what he was like playing in those in those uh, events. You know, so I'm not sure if there's something different we can pick out from there or not. I, I hate to bring this up, but I want to go to both of you with this because. I mean, we, it's not that we haven't had this conversation before. We, it, 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 it rose its head several years ago, and it kind of went away, but it's always there. But when we're talking about grinding and staying in a round and concentration and bad drops and things like this, got Harry Diamond still on the bag, his best friend. He's not, you know, this is not a Steve Williams. This is not a Bones Mackay. I mean, guys, do you think... Maybe bringing in a heavyweight veteran on the bag can be a real reset and a, and a real asset to Rory. Uh, I mean, I do, and I love Harry. I think Harry's a great guy, and I really enjoy being around Harry. But just from a professional perspective, I'd love to hear it. You know, Mark, I, I was watching your face through the Zoom call and I could see the brain spinning and about to mention that because I was actually <laughs> thinking the same thing because we've had this conversation on this show too. It's just something different. And for Rory going into Dubai too, like you mentioned, or Bob, I guess you mentioned what his mindset was that week. He spoke about before the tournament, you know, first tournament of the year, not really sure about, you know, how I'm going to play. Expectations are low, finishes second, finishes first the next week. So 
when the expectations are low, a la at the Masters a couple of years ago when he shoots a 64 and hoops it from the bunker on 18, the expectations are low, then things, or his mindset is totally different, then things start to open up. He plays a lot of good golf. But, Bob, for you, what are your thoughts on Mark's caddy opinion about Rory? I'm always, I'm always a little bit nervous to sort of go yes and, and, and talk about caddies because, because when you win, the caddy's a hero. When you're losing, the guy's you know, a bum. And it is easy that way. But sometimes, you know, change is good for change's sake. And if you go back and look at, uh, he was sitting in the, in the director's chair, or what, not the director's chair, but he was sitting on air with Amanda Renner last week, and he was talking about this, and they asked him about Scotty Scheffler. And he said, you know, sometimes you just got to change it up, change up your putter. And I'm thinking, okay, so if, if, if we take the word putter out of there and put something else in there, sometimes you just got to change things up. Now, he's not at a point where he's, his putting or any part of his game is quite as glaringly terrible as, uh, as what we see with, uh, with Scheffler. But there is, definitely, there is definitely a case that can be made for perhaps a, a change-up of, of a caddy. And maybe it's even just for one week. Like maybe Harry goes, to a, goes uh, on vacation for a week and they bring someone else in. Who knows? Might, might change it. Might just make it, everything click. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, actually, Bob. When Rory won the RBC Canadian Open for the first time, Harry wasn't on the bag. He had a, a fill-in looper. He had another buddy. I think there was some sort of border issue. It might have been a COVID thing. I'll have to look. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up in the break. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the case. He had someone else catching I don't first. recall. Maybe maybe you're on point there, Adam. I, I can't recall that. Uh, but again, I mean, it seems to be when he's light and fluffy, and just playing without expectations, and let's go see, let's go hit it around and see what we get. He finds a, a victory, but when he's in focus, I mean, again, we're, we're back to concentration being really tough, grinding it out. I mean, no one was ever better at it than Tiger Woods. The fist pump on 16 in the 2000 U.S. Open because he had a mini goal in his head to not make a bogey in the final round when he's winning by 15 or 16 shots. That's a different animal. We've never seen anything like that from Rory McIlroy. It's just not there. And until he finds that part of him again, it's going to probably result in a major drought. Uh, can't confirm. So Rory McIlroy's usual caddy, Harry Diamond, was at home waiting the birth of their first child, or second child, I should say. Uh, Rory's buddy, Niall O'Connor. Not Niall Horn. Niall O'Connor was caddy for Rory McIlroy <laughs> that day at the RBC Canadian Open when he went back to back. Well, McIlroy is one of many players who have already won this season as a member of Team TaylorMade using some of the new QI10 line of equipment. When we come back, we're going to learn all about the new QI10 line of fairway woods. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada. Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Well, TaylorMade has released their latest line of drivers, fairway woods, irons, golf balls. We'll have more golf ball news in the coming weeks from Team TaylorMade as well. But included there, the fairway woods, the QI10 line of fairway woods. For much more, let's learn all about these new fairway woods with Brian Basil from TaylorMade. 
All right, for much more on the fairway medals this season, mm -hmm. TaylorMade's Brian Basil now joins us. And the first thing we look at, Baz, and we see the QI10 fairways, is the look at a dress. Give us yeah. some of the specs here uh, for the yeah. QI10. Great question. Uh, super exciting look for the new fairway woods. You'll see it here. They all have this new infinity carbon crown, which to be honest was really challenging to do, but it provides such a clean look. It saves weight from the highest part of the golf club, allowing us to add more forgiveness, lower the center of gravity. But you see that there, it's got almost complete coverage of carbon fiber. And think about it, each carbon fiber crown fits up on each loft, each skew that we create throughout all these models, and it, the fit and finish is second to none, just beautiful. So how long does something like that take to really put, you know, starting from the initial idea to yeah. the clubs you're holding in your couple hand years, right now? A couple years, for sure. <laughs> um, especially in the case like that, it seems so trivial to look, there is a performance gain because you're saving weight, but like to get it right on every model, just it, it takes a, a high level of engineering. That's crazy, and I just, just big picture, what I learned today is that the fairway metal category is the most successful in terms of players on tour using TaylorMade's products, guys who are contracted and who are not. How satisfying is that for you? It's yeah, again, perfect validation point. You know, you see head covers come off, and sometimes they're not TaylorMade head covers, but there's a TaylorMade fairway wood underneath. It really showcases the overall performance that we deliver in fairways. It's a mixture of great speed great playability, look, versatility, all the things that players are looking for at the highest level, and then also golfers of all abilities for us to be able to have different options here and we can go through each model, but that's part of the recipe as well. So you've got three great products there in your hand. We'll get to each one, yeah. but let's say someone's watching the show, they're a 15 handicap. How do they decide which one is best for them? Yeah, great question. So if you're a 15 handicap, which one do I go with? You know, if you're a technician, right, and you want to just dial in your, you know, even though you might be a 15, maybe you're really consistent in Fairway Woods. You want the most adjustability. You're going to go over here on the uh, QI10 Tour model. You adjust the weight, you're going to adjust the sleeve. Other than that, you really want the, the, the Fairway Woods that's going to be the most success. And success for you might be something different, but typically it's, can I get the ball up in the air? Can I advance it as far as I can? And you're going to start on the far end of QI10 Max. That's going to get the ball up the easiest. That's going to have the most forgiveness. And then you might work yourself into the middle here, which typically this is probably the most popular, popular of the three, fits the most golfers because it's the most overall performer. But I would, you know, again, you can navigate these things. You can see each product kind of tells a story. This one obviously tells a different story with all that movable weight. Yeah, all that moving weight, and that's a similar look to what we saw with the Stealth 2 mm -hmm. fairway metal. Is that correct? Yeah, so we introduced this uh, sliding system in the Stealth 2 for the first time. We added a new TSS weight for us to build, uh, for our ability to, to swing weight for those players. But And then, of course, that new look in the lower center of gravity. It's actually a shallower, like a lower profile sliding weight that allowed us to move the weight down. But Again, you're moving a ton of steel mass, you're changing the trajectory, plus or minus 150 RPMs just through that weight alone. That's pretty crazy. And looking at that QI10 Max, we spoke a lot about moment of inertia yep. with the driver, and that's the highest MOI ever created from TaylorMade in regards to a fairway metal, correct? That's right. Yeah, we have really, honestly, have not measured anything outside of TaylorMade that even comes close to where the QI10 Max is. It's a slightly lower profile, it's a 200cc head, kind of a low profile, great stability, easy to hit. The leading edge is just a touch sharper, so that allows you to just get the, the leading edge under the ball and get the ball up in the air. So really cool with QI10 Max. 
And now as we close, in years past, we've seen some maybe draw biased fairway yeah. metals, and we don't have one in on the line this year. And I, there was a cool uh, little back and forth in our presentation earlier this morning. Tell us about the reasons why we don't have a draw bias one this yeah, year. Yeah, it's a great question. So the reality is that the majority of golfers fight what? They fight a slice. Yep. They do. They hit the, for a right-handed player, the right side of the golf, left-handed player, left side. And our job is to give them better performance. And so to do that, we need to get them straighter. And so whether you want to call that draw bias or draw bias kind of freaks you out, you don't want to, yeah. our job is to allow you to hit it straight. A better player can hit a lot of things straight, but the average player needs help hitting it straight. And so the max products are the ones that are gonna help you hit it the straight, mm -hmm. straightest the most often, mm -hmm. give you the most um, ability to have success. And so you're hearing us kind of change our language because that's what golfers really want to understand and will gravitate towards and the opportunity for them to get the best product, the product that's right for them, goes up and that's a good thing. And we're always adapting and changing new things. Now before we actually close this time, yeah. uh, we always like to hear the reaction from tour players. Yeah. I understand when Rory, when Tiger, when Scotty Scheffler pulled the head cover off for the first time, yep. their eyes were like saucers. They were amazed. Tell us their reaction. First reaction, wow. I mean, honestly, how clean it looks. That's the first, you know, Scotty, that was his first comment. It looks so clean. Tiger talked about the leading edge, like how clean that square it looks. And then, of course, it backs it up. We're, we're a company that believes in both form and function has to, you know, kind of scream to you right before you even hit it, and then it's got to deliver. And so the deliver part has been awesome. You can see by the way they're putting it in play. You know, Scotty uh, went out and won, and he had the QI-10 Fairywood in play. We're seeing QI-10 tours start to go into play already. So um, great adoption right out of the gates, great feedback. Um, so we're excited. Super exciting times The TaylorMade QI-10 Fairway medals. Brian, thanks for your time today. You bet, Scully, yep. Awesome stuff there from Brian Basil. Bob, I'll start with you. You had a chance to hit the fairway medals. Uh, just the one time was that uh, in December? What did you think of it? I actually, uh, first of all, I really loved the, um, the fairway medals from last year. I thought they were, uh, they were excellent. And, um, and so when I, I was a little bit skeptical to, or a little bit hesitant to sort of say, I want to take these out of the bag. But I did love them. They were good. And for me, one of the biggest problems I have, because I don't have a super fast swing like you two knuckleheads, um, you know, my, my ball, I, I have a little hard, difficulty generating a lot of height. And, and on the five wood especially, I was able to get a really good high ball, which is great for me to try and get it in there if I'm going to bring it in from uh, trying to hit some greens. So I was really pleased with them, and I'm, I can't wait to take them out on the golf course. Mark, for you, thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still playing around with with what the makeup's going to be. Right now, I've got the three and five uh, tour version, and in the five wood, I've got that weight all the way up in the in the hottest position with the lowest spin, and that five wood just goes forever. But so in like the three wood, that's sorry, in the yeah, in a way, and then the three woods kind of dialed down to two wood at 13 degrees, but I need to get the weight back, I think in the head when I do that to help get that 13 degree up. So I'm, I'm gonna actually start really uh, experimenting when I have some time, that's a problem guys, we have no time to do this, but when I have some time, I'd like to experiment, experiment with the weight in the complete opposite position on the three wood, like all the way back to help it get up on, on a 13 degree uh, loft. So. All fun and games for the spring when we have some time to, 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 to play around with the equipment. The driver is awesome. Love the driver. Yeah, 
when we have time, I can't wait for that too. I've got a seven wood in the bag this year. I'm super intrigued about that. Maybe we'll get back to that a little later in the show because we are running heavy. Okay, that wraps up hour one of GTC. Hour two kicks off with a full preview of Brooke Henderson, who is back in action this week on the LPGA Tour. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 18 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside GTC Hour 2, the back nine here on the show. Adam Scully, Mark Sacchino, and Bob Weeks here. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to chat with Lisa Meldrum, who is the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Looking forward to hearing some stories throughout her storied career, storied and storied career. Uh, we're going to make our PGA Tour picks for the Cognizant Classic and we'll look ahead to this week in the world of golf, what is going on all around the world and that's where we'll kick things off with Brooke Henderson. Brooke Henderson coming off her second top 10 of the season and I said this on Monday show two top 10s in three starts last year it took 16 starts to get two top 10s and yes I know she won her first start of the year but still that's a long time a big difference between a year to year for top 10s Bob for you what's your overall outlook for Brooke heading into this week uh positive I think I think there's very little stats to kind of go on, but what, from what we're able to, to pick up there, she's kind of moving back towards the Brooke Anderson we knew um, before last year where she's, she's hitting the ball long, she's hitting a lot more fairways, she's hitting more greens. Um, her putter is actually not too bad. I don't think she's had the real hot streak yet, and, and it's a little tough the way they played. You know, they have one tournament, then they have a month off, then they have two tournaments on the other part of the world, and then they come back. And so I, I really kind of want to withhold judgment on um, the big picture for, for Brooke until you sort of get into a rhythm where you're, she's playing two, three, four events in a row. But I think, I think there's uh, a lot of good reasons to be optimistic about what we've seen so far based on the small sample size. I know, Mark, we had a similar conversation, too, on Monday's show. And, and you had some stats about, about Brooke Henderson, how her short game's gotten better. Maybe her ball striking isn't quite to where it was, but the short game has really improved. But just from a general overall perspective for not only this week, but as the LPGA Tour season does start to pick up in terms of how busy it is, what's your uh, thoughts on Brooke Henderson? Yeah, um, you know, I'm kind of with Bob because we've only had three events in a very short period of time, right? Uh, so, but the number that jumps out at me, the one that's the most encouraging to uh, 
you know, kind of suggests what Bob suggested, that she's kind of moving back to the, the Brook that we've known throughout her career versus the Brook that we saw that was kind of more, uh, you know, an up and down uh, year in terms of you come out and you win and then you kind of struggle and then you uh, find it again for a week and then disappear. She's always been so consistent throughout her career. I think the number for me is she's back over 75% in greens and regulation in three events. And that was a number last year that we were all scr scratching our heads at. And we're going, you know, Brooke just hit 66% of her greens or 62% of her greens. And the Brooke Henderson we know gives herself 75 to 85% of her greens in regulation, depending on the setup and whatnot. So she's back there. Um, you know, that first setup of the year is a hard event. So she's already played one very difficult tournament um, and she's and her numbers look pretty good. So to me, that's super encouraging. If she keeps hitting a lot of greens, I think she's back to kind of where she was. It's been a good start to the season for Brooke Henderson, looking for another one as we head into this week. Now, speaking of Canadians, five Canucks in the field at the Cognizant Classic. And as FanDuel has been doing now for a little while, they've been doing odds specifically for Canadians. So all five Canadians have fairly long odds to win outright for the tournament. So let's just deal with odds to be best Canadian this week. We have Corey Connors, Adam Svensson, Taylor Pendrith, Ad, uh, Ben Silverman, and Michael Gligic. Before I tell you guys the odds, Bob, let's start with you. Who do you think of the five has the best chance to have the best week? I'm going to say Corey Connors, and the only reason I'm saying that is if you look at Corey's numbers, uh, finished positions from the West Coast, there's not much there, but he is he's never been a West Coast guy. If you look at his record over the years, he he doesn't really have a lot of experience with the grass out there. I mean, relatively speaking, he's obviously got lots of experience having played on the tour. But I think he feels more comfortable playing on the East Coast. And so I'm, I'm looking for him to have a better week. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Adam Svensson does something. He's coming off that T9 at the Genesis. So, But I, I would, at this point, having uh, spent a little time with both those guys on Monday, I would say that uh, Corey Connors is probably the guy that I'm uh, pretty optimistic about coming into this week. So, Mark, you got Connor, Svensson, Pendrith, Silverman, Gligic. Of those five, who do you think has the best week? I am also on Corey Connors for Team Canada, uh, and I'm just going to go with for the basic, you know, most fundamental reason is it's very hard to hide around PGA National. You need to be a ball striker. You need to hit it off the dime. You will likely deal with some heavy wins, especially for Florida. In heavy winds, you want to be hitting it pure. You want to be hitting it without a lot of side spin. He is a ball striker. He should do well here. I'm surprised his record isn't better here than, than what it is at this golf course. That being said, I also would have my eye on Mackenzie Hughes in that secondary position just because, horse, you know, I love my horses for courses, right? And he's come, uh, come close here before. So uh, it sounds like Mackenzie Hughes actually WD'd from the tournament. So no, no Mac this week. Uh, no, no Mac oh, this boy. week. Okay, when did that happen? When did that, that happen? That happened earlier in the week. So after a Mexico where he clearly didn't have his best stuff, where he missed the cut, right. uh, Mackenzie Hughes WD'd. So no Mac this week. Uh, he would have been mm. if um, we're not sure why he withdrew, but if uh, he's had good course history here at PGA yes. National. So Surprised no Mackenzie that. Very surprised of that. Regardless of form, I'm very surprised of that. And I'm wondering, guys, if this is the first sign of, 
and I'm trying to think if we maybe had another sign of one of these. It's escaping me at the moment. But I'm wondering if this is a sign of how much golf these guys have been forced to play already. You know, they've been playing a ton of golf. We've had so many signature events already. We're about to get into the Florida swing where we're now into players. We're approaching the Masters. At what point you got to take some time off, no? I think there's that. And there's also the fact that maybe after a, a week of struggling in Mexico, the last thing you want to do is take on take on PGA National mm -hmm. with, with your game. Yeah. And maybe he's kind of finding, trying to find. He's really working with himself right now. He's not seeing any teacher from what I understand. So... Uh, maybe he's just back on the range trying to dig it out of the dirt, or maybe he's on the emergency hotline to try and call up one of his coaches from the from years gone by or something. We'll we'll see in the next couple couple of weeks. So taking a look at those odds that I teased off the top, Corey Connors and Adam Svensson tied for the shortest odds to be low Canadian or best Canadian this week at plus two hundred. Taylor Pendrith, plus three sixty. Ben Silverman, who. Had a rough finish uh, on this past Sunday in Mexico, but still T13. It was overall. He was in that golf tournament, but faltered down the stretch, unfortunately, on the back nine, plus 450. Michael Gligic at plus 2,500 for low Canadian. And overall, in terms of winning outright, the two that I want to mention here, Adam Svensson, plus 4,000 or 40 to 1. Corey Connors, 45 to 1. So Adam Svensson, the shortest odds to win this tournament outright. Okay, let's go to break early here because when we come back, we're going to have an inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. She is going to join us on the show. She is Lisa Meldrum. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 18 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. To learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community, visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, and Mark Sacchino here. Big announcement came down on Tuesday. Lisa Meldrum is the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. And she now joins us on the line. Lisa, welcome to GCC. Hi, you guys. How are you doing today? We're all great. Thank you. We're looking forward to looking back on what your career has been so far. It is remarkable. So when I say this, Canadian Golf Hall of Fame inductee, how does that sound to you? It sounds pretty incredible, to be honest. Uh, I have a huge smile on my face when you say that. So it's an incredible honor, and I'm just so thrilled that uh, the Hall of Fame Committee and Golf Canada and you know everybody involved at sort of accepted the nomination and, and, and put me through. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very, very exciting feeling. Hey, Lisa, it's Bob Weeks. I, I didn't have a chance to uh, actually congratulate you due to the technical difficulties yesterday on the, on the call. <laughs> but uh, congratulations. And, and uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I had to type out and Dan Pino asked for, the communications director for Golf Canada. <laughs> but what do, you consider, what do you consider your crowning achievement what do you consider your crowning achievement, the best thing that, that over, over the course of your career? Because there are many points where I could say it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that. What would you say is the top point? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. When I look at, um, when I look back at my career, uh, you know, sort of all these years later and where I'm at now and what I went through over that uh, time period between the time I was 10 years old to probably the time I was 30 from a golf standpoint, there's so many moments that I can look back and say, you know what, that was very special and that was very special and that was very special for so many different reasons. You know, I can go back to my Quebec first Quebec Junior Championship. At the time, I was 15 years old, and Canadian Junior Championship was a great, uh, great feat. And obviously, winning three national championships in a row with the Cane Amateur, I would say, goes down as probably one of one of um, two, probably of the the at top of mind that I would say as my greatest achievement. So, winning my third national amateur championship in Montreal, and then for me, as I mentioned to you yesterday, Bob, just my I would say from a personal standpoint, attaining my LPGA Tour card um, back in 2010 for me was my greatest achievement for a number of different reasons, but I, I went through a lot to to get to that point, and it, it was a childhood dream of mine to play on the LPGA Tour and to have had such a successful amateur career and then turn pro, and then sometimes that can come with varying struggles in certain ways, and I was able to manage myself uh, and achieve my Tour card in 2010, so long-winded there, but... Receiving my LPGA Tour card probably tops the list, and but a very close third nas- three national championships in a row is is right up there with it. Uh, Lisa, congratulations! Thanks again for taking the time to to join us here on GTC. I- I'm just curious because when we do these interviews and we talk about people that are you know uh, achieving lifetime achievement award awards, Hall of Fames, things like that, you can step back and you you obviously have time to then reflect and you know, systematically go through, hmm, like what were my greatest achievements, which which you just did. But there's this emotional reaction to these things as well. And occasionally people along the way will pop into your mind, whether you even knew that they were huge influences on you at the, t- the time. When you get this this news, you, you get taken back to different ages, different people, different moments. From an emotional standpoint, was, was there people that rushed to your mind or certain uh, moments when you thought that you might, you know, hey, I'm never going to play this game again. We've all been there, and as much as we love this game, we've wanted to walk away at times. Were, were there people or moments in time that you emotionally returned to? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, when I look back... Um Obviously, my family is it, it has been there from from day one and step one, and there are so many people on my journey that were there at different steps and at the right time when that time was needed. And as you know, you know, competing in any sport at a high level takes a lot, and it's not just an individual effort. There are a lot of people around you. Um, you know, that goes to me even be traveling on the road and staying with different families and helping with expenses and. You know, there's a few moments for sure in my career where you have that moment: is when is it time to step away and you know, have I given it everything I've got to keep going? And, and when is that right time? And, you know, I had my moments. And in those moments where maybe I didn't believe in myself, I certainly had people that were in my corner that were helping support me um, to offset some of that. And, you know, it takes a, a lot of dedication and a, a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline and the emotional ups and downs. You know, that's a, that's a big part of it. And, and learning how to learning how to navigate those things as they come up and as you grow as into you know, uh, I would say as a young junior into a, a young adult and there are different things that come along with that. So processing everything and working through all that, there's, there's a lot of people along the way that I can say were there for me. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on this call with you today if it wasn't for those people. 
We're in conversation here with Lisa Meldrum, who's the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. And Lisa, just to give you a little background, when, we, when we're on this show, we know Bob's in about 12 Hall of Fames, and Mark and I are trying to get our way into <laughs> yeah. the Hall of Fame for the first time. But you were also inducted into the Quebec Golf Hall of Fame last year. Just how cool, is, how cool was that, looking back, to be inducted in the Quebec Golf Hall of Fame? Yeah, it was very cool. It was very special. Um, we had that. I hosted that uh, ceremony with uh, Golf Quebec at uh, the Royal Montreal Golf Club in October. I believe it was the 19th this past year. And at the time, I knew that I had been nominated for for the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, but I, I didn't receive that news till December. So we had a great turnout of people there. And obviously, Royal Montreal holds a very special place in my heart, uh, growing up there, and and now with my current role there. So I was very happy to celebrate there with with all of my friends and family and the members and. It was a really special evening, and then coming off that to to receive this announce, announcement, it's uh, it's been a pretty special few months. <laughs> Indeed, it has. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I want to ask you, you. You mentioned that you're the head teaching professional now at Royal Montreal, and and we look out on the tour landscape and we see all these great young men playing on the PGA Tour, and there are some up and coming women on the on the LPGA Tour. But we're we're sort of focused on Brooke Henderson and then the rest. Do you, in your work in your lines, do you see the next generation of Brooke Hendersons, of Lisa Meldrums, of uh, Lori Keynes? Do you see a, a, a sort of a groundswell of young women golfers who could go on to become top professionals? Absolutely, for sure. I mean, you see the particip- participation right now in the sport is getting stronger and stronger, and you know we try and encourage those young players to come along and, and stay with the sport and. I've seen a lot of talent on the women's side, and I think Golf Canada is doing a fantastic job, and as well at the as well as at the provincial level, to to have different programs in place to kind of see where that talent is and and help them along their journey. So when I turned professional, I was very young in the process with Golf Canada in the sense that they were just starting to get everything everything going, and we had some great programs 20 years ago, and it's it's on a whole other level now. So I have no doubt that there's going to be. Um, some future, uh, some future stars on the LPGA and PGA Tour. You're seeing it now just with the numbers that we have out there and the goal to kind of get more Canadians and out, out on tour as these years go on. That's a great segue, Lisa, because I'm just curious. You hang your hat at Royal Montreal. We've got a big event coming up at the end of the September. How excited are you for the President's Cup? And is, uh, is there a buzz already? I'm, I'm sure the club's been kind of all on top of this now for quite some time and now that we're in the right calendar year and we're you know a couple of months away from opening up for the season they must be pumped for the president's cup yeah everybody's super pumped um you know to have that coming in, in late september and with so many canadians in the mix this year and i was fortunate to be part of the 2007 president's cup when we hosted it at Royal montreal so i saw that whole experience and uh as you as you know now it's it's, it's even bigger and bigger on a bigger stage so They've already started building out there, and it's, it's going to be a really exciting year. The members are ready for it, and we're going to do everything we can to make it a su- successful week uh, here in Montreal. Yeah, we're so excited for the President's Cup, too, and we'll have to catch up uh, again when we're there for the President's Cup. Now, Lisa, someone listening to this interview or someone who saw the announcement, heard about the announcement yesterday, a young woman coming up in the game, what kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah, it's um, yeah. Hopefully, the announcement is is a little bit of an inspiration to some girl, young girls in the sport right now, and that whatever you set your mind to is possible. And you know, there was 
a lot of times along my journey where, you know, you question, you know, why you're doing it, you know, how you're doing it, um, you know, what the purpose is and, you know, what the dream is. And I think the dream is there. And if you have the right people in your corner and you believe in yourself and you work hard and you dedicate yourself that anything's possible. If you had asked me, you know, 20 years ago, if I'd be having this conversation with you, I, you know, I'm not so sure I would have said yes in the sense that I stuck to the process every day. And I think that's all you can do is you, you go through your days and you stick to your process and how you want to get better and where that leads you is, is up to you and up to your environment. And I think we all have an opportunity to work hard. So just follow your dreams and don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. That's very well said, Lisa. Well, hey, congratulations on being inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. This is, this is wonderful news. So thanks for taking some time to join us, and we look forward to catching up with you again down the road. Thanks, everyone. Look forward to seeing you in Montreal later this year. Oh, we're so excited for thanks, that. Thanks, Lisa. That is Lisa Meldrum, the latest inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame list of remarkable accomplishments the canadian amateur championships everything had a good college career too and i don't know about you guys when she was mentioning royal montreal the president's cup the excitement bob for me it was it's it's getting up there it's not too far away now is it no that's right and uh and actually lisa's actually also going to be at the rbc canadian open this year because that's when they have the formal induction so I think May 28th, the Tuesday of Canadian Open week, she'll be getting formally inducted. So Canadian Open, President's Cup, pretty good. You know, look uh, when you look at her, her uh, success rate, she, did, she won five national championships over six years. She won the Canadian Junior, took a year off, or Canadian Juvenile, took a year off, Canadian Junior, and then three straight Canadian Amateurs. And nobody, nobody had won three straight Canadian Amateurs since Marlene Street, so to be... Mentioned in the same name as the great Marlene Street, that's pretty uh, pretty heady company, and uh, she's a very, I think, to a certain extent, underappreciated uh, Canadian golfer, and she played in a lot of uh, national championships and international championships rep- representing Canada, and I think she's uh, deserving of getting a spot in the Hall of Fame. The 86th inductee into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, Lisa Meldrum, that is a great accomplishment and looking forward to seeing her, Bob, like you mentioned, at the RBC Canadian Open for the ceremony and then as well at the President's Cup. Okay, when we come back here on GTC, we're going to turn our attention back to the Cognizant Classic. We're going to give you our picks. We're each going to select three players. Will we have some repeats? You'll have to find out because we are looking to go back to back. We're looking for win number two of the season. Our PGA Tour picks are coming up next right here on GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac and the all-electric vehicles that get you in the game. From Lyric to the first-ever Escalade IQ, there will be a Cadillac EV icon for you. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Mark Sacchino, and Bob Weeks here as we preview the Cognizant Classic on the PGA Tour. You'll know it as the Honda Classic, as it was that was the sponsor for a number of years. But we're here at PGA National, a great, hard, windy, 
firm setup. Looking forward to this week. And when we reflect on last week, and yes, I might be reflecting on last week more because I did pick the winner last week. I just want to remind you guys that. But anyway, uh, Jake Knapp had pre-tournament odds of 40 to 1, which remarkably the shortest odds pre-tournament of any eventual champion all week. So before <laughs> we actually give our picks, I'm wondering, is there is there a long shot you guys have in mind? Uh, because we generally have, I, I know, Mark, you had mentioned Sung J.M. a little earlier in the show, and Sung J.M.'s odds, coincidentally right now on FanDuel, are 40 to 1. Mark, what do you think about those odds? I, I think that's great value at 40 to 1 for Sanjay, uh, especially his history at this property. I, I love, you know, guys, I'm a big guy. Uh, there's something to that. And I think that's uh, that's a that's real good value there. Okay, so Sanjay M at 40 to 1 right now. This has been the year of the long shot. Even thinking to Hideki Matsuyama at the Genesis Invitational, his pre-tournament odds were 75 to 1. A guy who obviously hadn't won in a couple of years, struggled with injuries, with his game, back in the winner's circle. Anyway, this week we have the Cognizant Classic. Rory McIlroy, like I mentioned earlier, the pre-tournament betting favorite at plus 700 or 7 to 1. These are Scotty Scheffler kind of odds. So, Bob, let's start with you. Your first pick, are you taking the favorite or are you going somewhere else? I'm taking the easy road, yeah. I'm going to ride this Rory McIlroy thing until he finally wins one. So I just figure he's got to win one. So if I keep picking him every week, he's got to, something's got to happen. But I do, I do, I have picked Rory. Um, and I, I sort of think it's more because we know what he's capable of rather than what he's maybe shown us in the last few starts. You know, when the golf courses get tough, Rory generally, generally plays a little bit better. I think, I think he can, as, as Mark has been alluding to for a number of weeks now about his his focus, I think when he starts to play good, you know, he gets involved in the game. And when he starts to hit a few crazy shots, then, you know, his mind starts to wander a little bit. So I think the challenge of what he's going to get this week at PGA National, I think it's going to uh, entice him enough to kind of get himself involved in the game. And that's why I picked him. It made him one of my picks. Plus 700 for Rory McIlroy, 7-1, to one, the pre-tournament betting favorite. Mark, let's go to you. I, I really I enjoyed your comments earlier in the show talking about the, kind, the grass types that we'll be playing. And obviously here in Florida, Rory lives in Florida, so he'll be familiar with the grass here. Do you have Rory on your team this week? Yeah, and I think uh, Bob just brought up a really good point that I wasn't even thinking about, uh, with all due respect. Like, Riviera is maybe my favorite golf course on the PGA Tour, don't get me wrong, and there's not that there's not a concentration level needed out there. But, I mean, without it's a different type of concentration. I mean, it doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the penalty areas staring you right in the face, and it's not, you know, that Florida golf where there's kind of disaster with every kind of visual you have. It's subtle at Riviera. It's very smart, very sharp, and very subtle. And when you're having concentration issues... Uh, like I believe Rory's having, that subtlety might not be exactly what you need to wake up. I like Bob's take on this. I think it's very smart. I think the fact that PJ National is slapping you in the face and screaming, wake up, 
Because if you don't, you're going to be dropping into this penalty area because you've got 15 holes or something crazy like that that are surrounded by water features throughout the entire golf course. It is blunt, it is obvious, and it will kick you directly in the face. There's nothing subtle about this. So I think that level of wake-up time might be exactly what Rory needs with the combination of back on home soil, so to speak. The comfort level will be up. I'm with Rory, too, on Bob. It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the Scheffler model. Sooner or later, something's got to give. It's a lot harder, I think, though, with Rory, guys, than it is with Scotty. Because, Scotty, it's very simple. The, the day we see a putter change for more than one day in a row, he's going to win a golf tournament. With Rory, it's hard because you can't see it. It's something you can't touch. It's something you can't see. It's going to be harder to pinpoint with Rory, but I'm with Bob on Rory. Rory McIlroy, plus 700 on FanDuel. Both Mark and Bob have Rory this week. And for those who have tuned into our show, have watched us on GTC, they know that I, I like to be a little different. Maybe pick some players who aren't Rory McIlroy. So I'm going off the board, sort of. Not really, but kind of. I'm looking down the betting board for my first pick this week. Russell Henley. That's who I'm going with as my first pick, plus 20. 800 now on FanDuel. So Russell Henley actually is the third shortest odds right now, tied with Eric Cole on FanDuel. So those odds have shifted. It was plus 2,500 a little earlier in the week. Now here's a guy, T4 at the Sony back in January. Won this tournament actually 10 years ago now, which is hard to believe. That was 10 years ago he won this. His last two starts here, a T8 and a T3, coming in with some good form, good course history. Russell Henley is the first player on my betting card at plus 2,800. Okay, Bob, let's go to you for pick numero de. All right, I'm going with a guy who's got some uh, good history here, and he's actually had a good start to the season. That's Ben on. Uh, five for five in cuts made, including a playoff loss at the Sony Open at the start of the season. He's been playing, obviously, some very consistent golf. He is uh, right now sitting 19th in strokes gained total, so I always use that as a pretty good indication of an all-around game. Uh, he has two top five finishes at this tournament, to his credit, and he was uh, tied for 21st year last year. So I, I don't know if he's... I, I would have thought he was going to be under the radar a little bit, but I see he's not so much under the radar. He's, he's up near the top in terms of, uh, of betting favorites, but I like Ben on. Ben on right now, plus 3,000. He was a little, the odds were longer, so perhaps uh, we have moved the odds here on this show specifically. No, Ben on, <laughs> 30 to 1 right now on FanDuel. He has the tie for the fifth shortest odds. So Ben on with the long putter to the broomstick in play. Ben on. Bob is picking Ben on at 30 to 1. Mark, who's your second pick? Uh, well, you mentioned them already, and I mentioned that I'm going hardcore uh, horses for courses this week as we make our way back to the East Coast, and I'm going with Eric Cole. Six to seven cuts made this year. Um, not exactly in the same form as he was at his peak last year, but playing well enough uh, with the seven, six to seven to, to be on the radar. Of course, lost here in a playoff last year. This is the event that really kind of kicked off his rookie of the year campaign. He is averaging just over 70% of his greens in regulation. I think if Eric Cole can move the 70% greens and reg number this week to 75%, he will contend on Sunday. I'm looking for a 5% bump. The reason I'm asking for that, the only weakness in the arsenal right now is strokes gained around the green. So I think 5% more greens and regulation across a four-day window, and Eric Cole is going to have warm and fuzzy thoughts 
about his 23 campaign around this golf course. So I think Eric Cole has a good week this week. Eric Cole plus 2,800 tied with Russell Henley for the third shortest odds right now heading into the Cognizant Classic. As for me, my second pick, I'm going with Shane Lowry, runner-up last year at this tournament, T5 the year before. Quietly, T25 in four of his last six worldwide starts. So playing some good golf, he's one bad round away really from those T25s turning into t Tens. I also want to point one other thing for those looking at FanDuel right now where you can take a, a look at first-round leader odds. Lowry, second on the PGA Tour in first-round scoring average, plus 4,100 to be leading after day one. So maybe worth a sprinkle if you're looking to watch some coverage on TSN Plus and have a little rooting interest in Shane Lowry. His outright winner odds are now plus 5,000. They were plus 4,000 yesterday morning. Now they're plus 5,000. So something to take note of. Shane Lowry, my second pick. Bob, let's go to you, your third and final pick this week at the Cognizant Classic. All right. This is a little bit of a longer shot. I think it's uh, Steven moves like Jagger, and uh, he is 5 for 5 in cuts made this year with a couple of – couple. Of, I'm glad that Mark got that. Uh, with a couple of third place ties, uh, third place ties on his record, and and one of those came in last week in Mexico, where he closed really nice Sunday, 65. Uh, again, 15th in strokes gained total, so that all around game is pretty good, and he's been inside the top 72 in every category in the strokes gained. He's actually inside the top 70, so that's pretty good. And if he does happen to even just make the cut this week, he would be uh, in a nice little groove because that'll be his 23rd in a row. So that's uh, pretty good stuff from Steven Jaeger. So a bit of a longer shot, but I I do like his chances. Plus 4,500 for the Jaeger bomb. I'm trying that nickname. I'm not sure if it really got there. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Steven Jaeger plus 4,500 right now on FanDuel playing a lot of consistent golf as Bob outlined. Okay, Mark, give us your third and final pick. My third and final pick is very similar to your second pick, Adam. It's why am I picking this individual? I mean, based on the numbers and the current form, you would not be leaning this way. But again, I mentioned horses for courses. I was going to go hard this week in that direction. So I'm going to stick with that path. Sepp Straka has only made two of four cuts this year. His ball striking and his putting is horrific. There's really nothing going on that's good here. But I think if there's another player, we talked about Rory, who couldn't come, couldn't wait to get back to Florida and get off the West Coast swing, I think you can put Sepp Straka in that category. Look at his history here over the last two years. He won this event in 2022. He, in his title defense last year, he finished in fifth. So two top fives in a row, including a win. Tied in par four scoring. We know how difficult the par fours here are PJ National. Big adult-sized par fours. Uh, also led the field in greens and regulation. I, I said that with Eric Cole. To me, that's going to be a huge number this week, greens and regulation. Because if you miss greens and regulation at this golf course, often it equals penalty strokes. So I'm looking at greens and regulation. So I'm looking for Sepp Straka to grab the form that he has had the last two years at PGA National and ignore 
the West Coast swing. I'm curious, Adam, what, what's he paying right now, Seth Stryker? What are his well, numbers? let me tell you, he's paying plus 4,500 right now on FanDuel. So I'll talk about some value there for Sepp Straka, who did partner with Shane Lowry at the Ryder Cup, as we know, and they had a lot of success partnering together. So Sepp Straka, plus 4,500 right now on FanDuel. Okay, my third and final pick. I'm going with someone who we have not mentioned one time in 2024. I don't know if you mentioned this guy one time in 2023, maybe not even in 2022. <laughs> Alex Norin, that is my final pick this week. He's made nine straight cuts on the PGA Tour, two finishes of T3 or better. I know those came in the fall, but still, that is this season. Played well at this tournament before, two top five finishes at this tournament. And boys, this has been the year of the long shot. Plus 6,000. Why not? Let's do it. Alex Norn. He's my third and final pick. What do you got, Bob? I, I'm going to tell you that Alex Norn has the best calluses on his hands of any golfer <laughs> I've ever seen. They, they look like he has been working on the rock pile for about 20 years. It's unbelievable to see, see his hands. If you ever get a chance, I know that's very, a very obscure thing to do, but if you ever see Alex, just ask him to show you his hands. I have absolutely nowhere to go from that. I might compare my hands after a quick deadlifting sesh, but we'll have more on that maybe on an upcoming edition of GTC. You can also see the video version of this on tsn.ca, and you can see the video version of our picks coming up soon because, hey, boys, next week, GTC TV is back. When we come back here on GTC, we'll have a preview of next week's a season premiere of GTC and we'll have a little preview of where we're all going to be in the world because we're all traveling a little bit here going forward. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac's all-electric vehicles that get you in the game. Choose from a $750 credit with flow or installation of a level 2 home charging capability from Q-Merit when you purchase or lease a new Cadillac Lyric. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf. Looking to refresh your golf wardrobe this season? Adidas carries the latest golf styles and technology, built for on and off the course. We encourage you to express your style through every swing. Visit adidas.ca slash golf to explore more. And stay tuned to our social media feeds and our show for any latest in terms of Adidas because we have some interviews being released very soon from our time back in Hawaii. Really enjoyed that. And it's going to be a busy stretch for us here on GTC. Why? Because we're back on television Next week, Tuesday in prime time, Tuesday, March 5th, that is, we'll have our tailor-made product special. We'll take a deep dive into the entire product line, golf ball, which is a huge story this year. Driver, Fairway Woods, Rescue, we'll have more on putter and wedges a little later in the season, too. Now, a couple weeks ago, we spoke about, uh, Mark, your first experience with the golf ball. Um, Bob, when you went to the TaylorMade HQ, I'm assuming you also hit the new golf ball, yes? I, I would think I you did, were. yeah. And I did. And it's kind of I mean, hard to note in a simulator, and no big offense, because we also got new clubs. 
Um, but I am interested to hear about it and interested to see where it, how it flies out on the golf course a little bit. I'm hearing nothing but the fact that it's going longer. Um, a few players out on tour have commented about it, and, and not directly to me, but have commented about it. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, the golf ball market is so competitive with so few real players in it. And, you know, one, one little switchover, one little improvement, one thing that will give somebody an advantage can really have a big weight in uh, what you decide to play. And one thing that I'm super excited for people to see when our show does air is when I was in South Carolina shooting a lot of the interviews for this product special, we did the tailor-made 5x5 five five challenge. So what that was is we took my 6-iron, I had 5 shots with the previous model or the 2021 model of the TP5X. We saw the results, we had TrackMan, we had all the the stats going, and then switched to the latest golf ball the brand new golf ball 2024 tp5x and i'll tell you guys i I believe i already already said this on the air but what uh, the stats told us was my club speed with the golf ball didn't change my ball speed with a six iron on average was up four miles per hour of ball speed with just golf ball and the average total was seven yards Seven yards, just switching the golf ball. And guys on tour are seeing half a club. That's the way a lot of guys, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler in particular, have commented. So, Mark, imagine someone, a weekend warrior, having, you know, they tune into our show. They say, hey, I want a new driver. I want a new golf ball. They could be up 15, 20 yards from last season. Yeah, especially if they're coming from a switch that hasn't been for many years. Like, let's say someone was in a driver uh, that was, oh boy, let's think four or five generations old, and now you're coming into this year. So, I mean, you're right. The the jump could be just monstrous. I can't wait to see the golf ball. For me, I'm curious to see the golf ball. You get a better gauge on these things when you're playing your home course, right? Because we all know... You know, at this par three, if the flag's here this time of year with this wind, I I might take one more. Or if I'm trying to decide between the the eight and the nine, it's eight until it gets hot. And when it gets hot in the summer, so I'm really curious. You or you know where your drivers tend to come down, right? You know where you hit the golf ball around your own property. So I'm really curious to get it around a golf course I'm more familiar with. I'm, uh, it's going to be fun to see. And throughout the season, too, looking forward to doing some new what's in the bag segments where we'll take a a really deep perspective on what kind of clubs we're using, why we're using those clubs, how we're fit into those clubs. Lots of cool stuff coming from us and TaylorMade throughout 2024. So that's next week. And then, boys, the week after, you guys are going to be at TPC Sawgrass for our Players' Championship preview show. Looking forward to that. And next week, we'll we'll talk a lot about this on Monday's show. I'm actually off to Portugal, where we are going to shoot a travel special with Portugal, uh, with Golf Away Tour. So looking forward to hopefully, hopefully the golf swing is going to be in, in somewhat uh, of decent form. I've been trying to go to a simulator about once a week and grind and get ready. Uh, Mark, right now the handicap's at around four. Should I be asking for more shots? What do you think? No, I mean, I, I, I think you're, I think if, if you don't end this season at two or better, it, we, there's been a major fail somewhere along the way. And I don't know, Bob, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think if Adam can find a fairway finder swing, like something that isn't at 120% of all times, if he can find a fairway finder swing, 
and continues to putt better because he's putted so much better after being tweaked by by, uh, our friend Ralph Bauer. So those two things, a fairway finder and stay on the putting path, I think he's two or better by the end of the year. And it's funny that we're talking about this. Do you know, gentlemen, who is going for their first golf lesson ever this week? Mrs. Golf Talk Canada. Mrs. Golf Talk Canada is going for her first ever golf lesson this Friday. Says we are down here at the World Golf Village, and there's a, a, a PGA Tour Academy right behind us here, and she's got some time on her hands uh, while I'm efforting eight to nine hours a day. Uh, she's going to see if uh, she can figure this thing out a little bit. So we'll see. What, I'll report on Monday how that goes, guys. <laughs> oh, look, looking forward to hearing all about that. And Mark, to your point about a fairway finder, I was taught a new shot back when we were shooting that product special from Patrick Baxter from TaylorMade, who got to ride in a golf okay. cart with Scotty Scheffler throughout their tour shoot, and he told him his quote-unquote second serve to get the ball in play. We'll have to tease that on a different show because shockingly we are running late boys thanks for your time this morning it's been another fun show we'll be back monday on gtc thanks so much joining us this morning and remember the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by adidas golf looking to refresh your golf wardrobe this season adidas carries the latest golf styles and technology built for on and off the course. We encourage you to express your style through every swing. Visit adidas.ca slash golf to explore more. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.